Mommy's Podcast. It's called A Slice of Paradise. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you enjoy it. Or, or. episode 10. This is the last episode of this season and I have a long story about how important this is to me and I think I'm just going to share it but I had a very emotional breakdown a few weeks ago because I was nervous about not having all of the seats filled um, for the second season. I wanted to end it and round it out properly and I felt like I didn't have the right people in the seats at the time. I didn't have the seats filled at all. And so, um, probably three days before today's guest reached out to me, I went to my friends at work and said, here's what I need. I need you to pray because I know that the person that God has for episode 10, which will be the final episode of this season, is someone that I haven't met and I haven't thought of. And um, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know when he's going to provide it. It might be the you know 11th hour before I need to record this. But I just know that he's going to provide it and I need y'all to pray. And so what was spiritual warfare for me for several weeks of not sleeping turned to um, peace. And so my friends began praying and a couple days later, today's guest reached out to me. And she said, I she offered a lot of encouragement, which was great. You know how I feel about that. And um, she said, if you ever need someone to come on and talk about adoption, I'm your girl. Now let's back up a little bit. I had reached out to several families who wanted, who I wanted to share about their adoption story and for different reasons and very understandable reasons, they didn't feel comfortable coming on and sharing quite yet, but they were definitely gonna pray about it. But here was someone who I had never met and I had never thought about who wanted to talk about adoption and was willing to share whatever it was that I wanted to talk about. And so um, that was a total God thing and it was exactly what I had prayed for exactly what my friends were praying for and that's just a testament to the goodness of God and the way that he works in situations that you don't know the end to um, but he already does that, that that plan is already in place and you just need to trust and so that's what I had to do and now here we are we are at the final episode of season two and I'm really excited that Tabby tell me how you say your last name Skyby. Skyby. Yes. I said it right earlier you did Skyby is here to share her story of adoption. Um, here's what I know about Tabby. She can sing. I've never heard her sing, though. But we're not going to put you on the spot right now. Thanks. I hate it when people do that. Like, I do, too. Go ahead and sing me a song. You're like, excuse me. Uh, do you want me to sing Amazing Grace? Because <laughs> yeah. that's the worst one. <laughs> but it's also the only one I know at the moment. No. Right. <laughs> How about the national anthem? Right. <laughs> no, no, thank you. So anyway, um, she can sing. She used to live in Grosbeck, which is, I think, the way that we became Facebook friends. Yes. I really don't know how we became Facebook friends or when. Um, probably after Toby's. Okay. I loved it. That was the first time I heard your podcast, yes. and I loved what you were doing. And so I'm like, 
we have a lot of mutual friends. We Maybe she'll accept me. You know, so that's why I I have a friend I friend requested you. She's a photographer. Yes. And those pictures are beautiful. I remember when you take Toby's like maternity yes, with the twins, girl. and mm-hmm. they were they were beautiful. Thank you. Um. Anyway, love that. What else do I know? You <clears> now <throat> live in the Waco area. I only know that because I'm here in your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really Welcome. have no idea. <laughs> And the most important part that I know about Tabby is I walked into her front door today and I'm wearing one of my favorite shirts that says Make Heaven Crowded. And I open the door and she's wearing a shirt that says Make Heaven Crowded. It's not the same shirt. And so this is a total God wink. Yes. Mine's white. And mine's green. And crooked. But we, and crooked right now for some reason. But we're working that out. (laughs) We're going to figure out why. Okay, so um, tell me a little bit about you. You have been married to Gerald for how long? 19 years. Whoa. Yeah, so we've been together 21 years. We could do a podcast just on, like, advice. Literally. Our whole marriage is... He actually wrote a book about it. Like Shut his, up. I'm serious. Should we plug it? He's in the middle of reworking it, but we can. The first one is Hangover to Jesus. Hangover to Jesus. But the title and everything will be changing, so. But it's already out there, Hangover to Jesus? Yes, it's out there now on Amazon, but we're doing a whole rebrand. Shut up. So it is Hangover to Jesus. By Gerald Skyby. Yes. And the new one will be Sobering Faith, but it's not out there. And it's the same book, just a title change. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um... Gerald with a J or Gerald with a G? G. G E R A L D. A L D. Yeah. And the last name? Z G A B A Y. Zagabe. That's literally what I thought it was. And I think it, my cousin was like, it's Sky I was like, um, how exactly does that work? I know. It's Czech. But a lot of the Grosbeckians from the time that we were there do know Miss Skyby. That's because what I'm, did you do when you were there? I was the attendance clerk and the secretary to the assistant principal at the high school. Did and you I was love also it? the cheer coach and Gerald did Red Riot. Oh, so much. That's awesome. Literally some of the best years of my life. In fact, I think I have relationships with every single one of those students still That's to this day. Awesome. They'll still call out of the blue. Miss Skyby, I need you to pray for me. And Aww. I'm like always That's awesome. ready and willing. Okay, so before we get started in your story, we gotta talk about the slice. Yes. So she says cheesecake. <laughs> and she even says plain cheesecake. Like, I'm not a huge cheesecake person, but we're going to have to put something on top. Yeah. You're like, no, no, just plain cheesecake is fine. If anything, raspberries or strawberries. Yeah. So Mitchell worked up his magic, and we had some strawberry-covered cheesecake. Cheesecake. So good. And it was very good. Yes. Tell me why you chose cheesecake. <laughs> the honest reason, well, one, I just really like it, but... One of my favorite episodes of Friends is the whole cheesecake episode. And this cheesecake is getting delivered. It's supposed to be to the neighbors, but it keeps getting delivered to, like, Rachel and Monica's house or Joey and Chandler's house. I'm not really, I can't remember which apartment it was delivered to. But they keep eating it. Mm-hmm. And the cheesecake keeps getting delivered there. And one time they're fighting over the cheesecake, and the cheesecake falls to the floor, and they're all really sad about it. And then they're like, just start eating the cheesecake off the floor, and then Joey comes up the stairs and is like, what are we doing? Because they're sitting there, and they look mortified that they're eating cheesecake off the floor, and he grabs his fork out of his shirt and is like, dude, I'm in, and starts eating the cheesecake. <laughs> and I don't know. I just love to laugh. Friends is one of my favorite shows, and so cheesecake brings me joy. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. It was very good, Mitchell, way to go. 
Yes, very good. Thank you. Okay, so your story is going to predominantly be about adoption. Right. You have how many kids? Two. And their names are? Zayden, and he's 10, and Zinli is 7. Okay. And so what happened to make you choose adoption? Um, infertility. Okay. So when we were married in 2003, um, we wanted to wait like a year or two to um, have kids. And so I was on birth control. And, um, but before, or, or right after I got on birth control, right before we were married, I had started gaining a bunch of weight, like out of nowhere. And I was still very active. We couldn't figure out what was going on. I was having night sweats. My hair was falling out. My heart was racing. I was like, something is like going on. And um, I was actually misdiagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And when they put me on medication for that and the eating, my blood sugar was like plummeting. Mm. So I had to like take myself off of that and figure out a new doctor. And honestly, I was getting married, so it wasn't a priority at a time, which seems weird because you would think your health would be. But I was like, well, I'm just getting fat. So (laughs) we'll deal with that in a minute. That's what happens in marriage. (laughs) This was before. So I was like, oh, no. Um, (laughs) But. How about that wedding dress? I'm going to have to go up some. (laughs) Um, But after we got married, I was. I didn't really equate that maybe the it was the birth control. Mm-hmm. And so later on when we when I went off, I never got a cycle back. And so we were like, well, first I thought, I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh, it yeah. worked the first time. No, it didn't. Yeah. So um I didn't get a cycle for like a year and I was like, okay, something's up. Yeah. And so I went to the doctor and um they, they couldn't figure out, like, what was going on. Because really, PCOS kind of wasn't... I, I'm diagnosed with PCOS. Okay. Back then, it really wasn't well-known. And it's still kind of unknown. Right. There's so many... I think social media has definitely shined some light on that. Tons of light, which is so great because yeah. it's such a... Um, it's such a crazy disease, and it's like um, the PCOS is what makes you gain the weight. You you don't gain weight and then get PCOS. Right. And PCOS so, stands for polycystic, polycystic ovarian syndrome. syndrome. Yes, and so um, you have insulin resistance with it. So actually, my body produces too much insulin, uh-huh. so it thinks I'm skinny. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> What a shame. Isn't that weird? So that's just layman's terms. That is not the technical terms, people, so please don't right. <laughs> come for me don't for that. Me. Yeah. Um, so that's why I was misdiagnosed with type 2 diabetes because of, like, blood sugar issues. But um, I, I don't have that. But with PCOS, that is a risk factor yeah. that you can eventually get that. So um, just decided... That with all my body was going through with PCOS, that I really didn't want to do fertility treatments mm-hmm. because they're not 100%. Right. I didn't want to invest financially into something that wasn't 100%. And so we thought, let's invest into something that is 100%. Yeah. Was Gerald on board immediately with that? He actually was, which is like so wild because, in fact, I think he was more on board than I was just because... He had already seen what my body was going through sure. just with being tired and all these 
crazy cycles and lack of, and it was just a really weird experience that he was like, I don't really want to put you through that. And if you don't want to go through it, I'm fine with adoption. I'm like, I'm totally fine with adoption. And so that's kind of like... So where are we at now on the PCOS? Is it something you still struggle with? Yes. It's a lifelong disease that will always, you'll always have if you have it. But um, I'm definitely just learning to deal with it. Hopefully I'll go to a hormone doctor soon that like specializes in it because I do want to get off birth control. I did eventually have to go back on just to be regular. Sure. But I feel like that's what caused my PCOS and it's not known, but so many women in my shoes are like, I was fine until I went on the pill. Uh Uh-huh. So. That's interesting. I have a lot of friends that struggle with that. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm asking the questions of like, okay, well, what has your treatment plan been? And like, what you got planned, sis? Because I got some other ones who are really struggling. It's I mean, most, honestly, the healthiest way to eat is um, probably keto, mm-hmm. but not so much dairy and right. processed meat with it. Okay. So, it's kind of hard. It's like you really Do need you to watch your dairy. when you eat that way? Yes. Okay. And I've been doing that for like a month or so. So, the cheesecake today was like a first sugar that I've had oh. in a while, but I planned for it. Okay, great. I made room. I've only had a salad today. <laughs> So that hopefully it didn't knock me off too bad, right. but that it was worth it. <laughs> good, good. Hey, we do what we can. Yeah. Okay, so you immediately decided that you didn't want to go through these infertility treatments. I mean, fertility treatments. And crazily, crazily, is that a word? I, yeah, sure. I just made it one. <laughs> Your husband's good with it. Did either of you have any background with adoption? So, no, but... um. My dad is not my biological dad. Okay. And so he's raised me since I was six, so I knew biology didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell me what your first step was when you decided that you were going to go through with adoption. So the first step was just, like, letting people know um, because it was a constant question, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? And um, we actually didn't adopt our first child until nine years of marriage. Okay. So it was a pretty um, long time. And I wish I could remember exactly when we decided adoption because I think we just were letting nature take its course for a long time. And just if it happened, it happened, and it didn't. Mm -hmm. And um, But I was also, like, okay with that. I had a lot of friends be just a little nervous to invite me to their baby showers or let me know that they're pregnant because they knew like we were trying I'm a little different when it comes to that I'm like hey life is beautiful like I'm not feeling sorry for myself you don't need to feel sorry for me because I'm okay I'm gonna be happy for you exactly and I'm gonna celebrate you and um so we I don't remember what was the question I lost my train of thought Uh, (laughs) I don't even remember so okay at what point did you we said we don't know at what point you decided to adopt, but did you have, yeah. like, inclinations early on that, like, maybe... I can just imagine me in that situation where I'm like, okay, I'm kind of thinking in my head that I might want to adopt, but I'm not going to, like, voice this out loud yet because maybe God's still going to work. But, like, was this an early on thought for you? You want to be the real honest truth? Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a mom, but I have never in my life wanted to give birth. Really? I've been terrified of it. Yes. Like... Seriously. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. So, I feel like... <laughs> you, you thought about it pretty Pretty sure God was preparing me because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want the mom part, yeah. but I don't want the... I have a friend 
that uh, her like aunt or something told her that birth was painful, and that was enough for her to be like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm not." Yeah, doing I mean, it. TLC shows. Yeah, I mean, I know. Oh my gosh, you gotta stay off those. Yes. Okay, so um, we said you don't know how far into your journey you decided to adopt, but it took nine. I years. think about seven years in, we decided to adopt. Oh, that's what I was saying. We had started telling friends when they were asking yes, us, yes. "Are you? Are when are you going to have babies?" And which is kind of a disrespectful question because you just never know what somebody's mm-hmm. going through. Luckily with me, I'm an open book, so it never really bothered me. Sure. But um, I have a lot of friends that it does bother them. Mm-hmm. So I just started saying, you know, I think we're going to just start looking into adoption. And um, we um, had actually told a friend while we were in Grosbeck, and they were like, oh, I know somebody that's having a baby that's looking for a family. And we were like, awesome. We thought we were the only family involved in that, but it ended up being a really weird situation that goes to the highest bidder type and that was very like whoa I don't know how I'm going to be able to handle this and I didn't even know if I was hearing from God right because we thought we were a shoe in and we had no idea there was multiple families in the mix and we get a lawyer I mean an email from a lawyer saying like okay um so if you can come up with thirty thousand dollars by this date um let us know and I'm like what whoa no market yeah so we weren't with an agency this was just like a yeah a friend and our friend felt horrible that's why i'm not mentioning names because people would know who they are but they felt horrible because they had no clue that it was going to be like that obviously or they wouldn't have put us through Mm -hmm. that that seems so like a rushed decision it does and it was just like very like oh my gosh it it was it was really painful. And then it did. we did question, did we hear right from right. God? But then the next Sunday, we're praying, and we walk into church, and it's Orphan Sunday, and there are adoption um, agencies with booths set up wow. at the church in the foyer. Okay, God, I hear And you. we were like, okay, maybe we did hear you right. Not maybe, we did. And so that is how we... Um, got connected with our agency, Generations Adoptions. It's here in Waco, but they're now Nightlight Adoptions. Okay, Nightlight. Yes, and so that's how we got connected. And it was at this church? Yes. Okay. Um, how much did that cost you? Well, I guess you did it twice. We did it twice. Each child, um, The first one was 18500 and it was um, one of the reasons we chose Generations and I do not know that nightlife still runs this way. <laughs> and I'm probably, they probably don't, but I don't know. I can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. But it was a um, set set fee. There was going to be no additional fees. Say um, an expectant mother ch- was choosing you, but then they chose to parent uh-huh. their child. You didn't lose any money. Okay. And that's often not the case for adoption agencies. If you're... Whatever money you're putting towards a certain adoption, and if it does fall through, you're out that money, which wow. is very scary. That's terrifying. Generations did not do that. And, and that so, goes back to your 100% yeah, reason like, why you didn't want to go into, into fertility treatment. Right, because I didn't. we're not made of money, and right. this is expensive. And um, with Zayden, we just scrimped and saved. And with Zinli, we did a fundraiser mm-hmm. for the adoption. 
and tons of people in Grosbeck supported that awesome. um, fundraiser. And I think Zinley's was around twenty grand because the prices three or four years later sure. had gone up a little bit. And um, people are always like, oh my gosh, that's so expensive. And it is, but you do have attorneys. They're doing a lot of paperwork. They're paying for the mom's medical needs. Um, clothing needs, maternity clothes, if they need help with their electricity, um, anything. They're like helping the mom out. And Generations um, is a nonprofit or was because they're not Generations anymore, was a nonprofit agency. So they had a lot of donors like giving to to help those expectant mothers. Okay. So, so I'm and, sitting here thinking as you're talking, yeah. I work in steel sales. I can tell you all the reasons why the price of steel will fluctuate right. up or down, right. what the market looks like, what are the deciding factors on what the price is, right. the running price. So I'm thinking as you're saying this, like, well, what are the things that affect the price of adoption of a child? But you're right. It's the care that the mother's getting, um, the care that is provided to, you know, prenatal. Right. Um, electricity bills. bills I wouldn't have ever thought clothes, about that. food. Sometimes they need food. Yeah, that's awesome. I would never. I've right. always wondered why it's so expensive. Yeah. But you that's know, why. Like, and yeah. then lawyer fees, obviously. Right. This is a big deal. And people are working full time. They're the expectant mothers, and I say expectant because they're not birth mothers until they've placed their children. So they're expectant mothers at the time because they are still a mother. They're always a mother, but they are still a mother to that child right. until they have handed that child over to you and signed their rights. So, and we say the words placed because they're not giving their baby up or right. away that is like not what they're doing at all they're literally placing a child that they love so much into a home that they trust is going to love and care for that child like they do mm-hmm. to never lose the love right right um okay so <clears throat> how old was Zayden when you got him um five days old but we were at the hospital when he was born. Okay. So his birth mother chose us about a month before he was born. Wow. And so you had a month to prepare. Yes. Which, in hindsight, you don't necessarily need as much as you think you do when a baby comes home from the No. Hospital. And plus, we'd been planning it because, honestly, we were a year into the process. Right. Before we were chosen by Zayden's birth mom. We were actually chosen four times before that, and each time the expectant mother chose to parent. Wow. And so, while most people are like, how in the heck did you deal with that? The one before Zayden was crushing because it was the night before we were going to go get the baby. That one took the wind out of my sails, and a lot of people that were at the high school at the time, this was in 2011, right before Christmas, that's when I quit. I literally, mentally and emotionally, could not function Mm -hmm. at the time. It was so devastating, so I'm like, why? Yeah. The others that placed, um, and don't get me wrong, I've never been upset that they chose to parent. Absolutely. Ever. If a biological mother can stay with their child 100% for that, and I am totally fine. I actually just said the others that placed. I meant the others that chose to parent. I honestly felt during those times 
that maybe Gerald and I were the only ones really praying for them not to give us their baby, but for God's will to be done and for them to feel at peace with their decision. And if there was no peace, then to please not let it happen. And so I genuinely believe that they were, you know, maybe we were the only ones praying for them, that person at the time. Exactly. And each time before every adoption, um, was a failed match because they chose to parent. Um, I'm an extremely empathetic person, but I God also speaks to me like through my body, and my knees would ache so bad. And within 24 hours, we'd get the email or the call that they had chose to wow. parent. Even with the little girl before Christmas, that last one before mm-hmm. Zayden, I I knew it. In fact, I took. A melatonin to sleep because I knew I was like Gerald my knees are aching and we're supposed to go tomorrow and he's like it's just take a melatonin so you can sleep so you're not tossing and turning and after about an hour after I fell asleep he got the call oh. <laughs> I can see why that would take the wind out of your sails uh-huh because I could feel it coming uh-huh. and I'm just like it's not hard to trust God during the time, but it's definitely hard to not ask questions. Sure. But then I have to realize, you know what? He's a father, and I'm, I can ask him anything yes. I want. Those are free questions. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, how long did it start from the time you said, yes, we want to adopt, to bringing Zayden home? I think maybe about 13 or 14 months. Okay. Because we had to do a home study, and home studies last a year. And we just had to redo a home study again because the year time had passed. Okay. And then Zayden came like really shortly after that. Tell me about the home study because that's something that I've had a lot of people ask questions about. Yeah, so um, it is like honestly the easiest thing. <laughs> we cleaned our house top to bottom. I mean just like prepared as if they were going to eat steak off the floor in our home and they could care less like (laughs) honestly this home study is they want to see that you live where you say you live that your home is safe that you um have running water and electricity and you are who you say you are they interview you and ask you personal questions about your life and what kind of parent you hope to be they ask you what you think about discipline and things like that and um, they check to make sure that you have you have to have a fire extinguisher. So you actually have to have like a fire marshal come do a fire safety check. I uh-huh, can't remember uh-huh. what the heck that's called. And basically just to make sure that it is a safe home for a child to be raised in. So I know you're an open book. I can, mm. I can tell that immediately. Yeah. Because <laughs> I am too. But did any of the questions during the home study trip you up or were they challenged to answer? No, none. Okay. So you were comfortable talking to talking about any of it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, this is my favorite question because okay. I already asked this question and I got the best response. <laughs> when did you tell your kids that they <laughs> that they were adopted? Oh my gosh, this is quite, the reason why we're laughing so hard is because for those that don't know me, my husband Gerald, we're white, and our kids are black. So I'm like, so, so when did you like, tell your kids they were adopted? She's like, I mean, they kind of knew. They knew, they're black, duh. <laughs> <laughs> but because we have open adoptions, though, they've always known because their um, birth mothers have been involved in their lives since yeah. they were born. Yeah. 
And <laughs> so uh, we didn't talk about how much far, farther down the road Zimli came from the time that Zayden came home. Right. So that was about three years later. We started the process three years later. So three and a half years okay. is when, yeah. The crazy story, though, was Zayden. You know, I just mentioned that we had um, a lot of expectant mothers change their mind and choose to parent. Mm-hmm. Well, Zayden's birth mother could not find a family that she liked at all. And actually, they were very adamant about a black family raising her son. Mm-hmm. Um, until she met me and Gerald. <laughs> but... Seriously, so they couldn't find anyone. They're not even with our agency. They were with an agency in Dallas, and they were like, okay, we're just going to have to reach out to agencies that fit your profile. And so our profile was that we are open to um, any race mm-hmm. um, because in adoption you can choose yeah. that or not. And um, and if you are not open to any race, that's okay. You need to stick to with what you're comfortable with because sure. – um, being a transracial family, which is what it's called an adoption when you have um, parents of a different race than the children. I know it sounds funny, but that's just the that's technical right. term. Um, so her agency reached out to ours. They asked, would we be interested that it was a, it was going to be a black male? And we were like, absolutely, you can submit our profile. And, um, this is so funny. They said that one of the reasons they liked it, well, a couple of reasons that they liked us, well, one is because Gerald was fine as hell. (laughs) (laughs) So we were laughing so Gerald was embarrassed, but, um, and then the second reason when we were the only adoptive family, prospective adoptive family that did not use Jeremiah 2911, they were so tired of hearing that verse. And, um, yeah, well, we were tired of the verse too, cause it's just used everyone for everything. That, Everyone's like, know, I know the plans I have for you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a great verse, but it is kind of like overused. And they were like, that is cool. They did not try to put that verse on us. We just talked about who we were. And so they were like, okay, we want to meet you. They met another family. And they were a black family. Mm-hmm. And I knew that going in. And they were going to meet with them first. And then a second. And I was like, I don't even know why we're very going. Chilling, because yeah. obviously they were very honest with they want a black family. and um, But that family did not want an open adoption. And they were already talking about moving him to another state. Oh. And when we met, um, they asked what I thought about open adoption. And I was like, oh, it's a must. I'm like, especially because y'all are black and we're white, you yeah. absolutely need to be in his life. And plus, you're his mother. You, that bond is unbreakable, mm-hmm. and I'm not here to break, to break it. it. And they cried and chose us right then and there. Because I'm like, I'm not going to break right. that. That's special. Um, I can think about just the amount of questions I would have raising somebody with different hair than me or different... <laughs> you know, skin than me that had to be treated differently. Yeah, it's Um, it's a lot. So I would want somebody to be able to reach out to about that. Somebody that was their people, right? Exactly. Okay, so Zenly came along three and a half years later. Yes, and that is a very cool story as well. So her birth mom, it was actually one of my students at Grosbeck High School. And she reached out to me on Facebook. One day, I was like, Miss Skyby, 
would you be interested in adopting my baby? I think I'm having a girl. And she loved the fact that she knew Gerald and I and that we are who we say we are as far as open adoption goes, that I would never keep her daughter from her. Yeah. And she lives here in Waco now. We get to see her. And um, so, yeah, the rest is history. I was That's like, I would love to. Amazing. And I was like, hey, if you're interested, if you're, I mean, not interested, if you're really serious, go to the agency because it has to be done legally. Right. And I said, they will, they will take care of you. Mm-hmm. And um, they did. Wow. So they went, her and um, the birth father. So that was really... Um, Neat because we didn't we don't know Zayden's birth father, but we do know Zinley's. Okay, cool. And so, so yeah. both of it, both of her parents get to be involved a little bit. Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, um, we know that you they knew immediately that they were not <laughs> yours. But what have conversations looked like in this house um, in regards to that? Obviously, they're used to it, but. Yeah, so the cool thing about an open adoption is we've never had to have, like, these really tough, hard, sit-down conversations. I do think they'll come when sure. they're a little older. Um, but it is my job to let them know how loved they are and that they were chosen and that their mothers, their first mothers, I like to say first mothers more than birth mothers sure. because they did more than just birth them. Yeah. They were their mothers first, and so I love that term. And um, so they, you know, they asked, like, oh, why was this choice made? Because both of your mothers were very young, Mm -hmm. and they wanted you to have two parents, and they wanted you to have things that they couldn't afford to give at the time. Right. And, um, And they still needed to grow up and pursue their education or whatever it is that they wanted to do in life. And um, they made an extremely selfless and loving decision and honestly, the hardest decision of their life. Yeah. And I've told them, I'm like, you know, honestly, the greatest day of my life is the worst day of theirs. Mm-hmm. And I never forget that. Right. You know? And even though they know they made the right decision, it is not without pain. Sure. And I'm sure they've regretted it a few times, you know? And um, we've had very... I've had more tough conversations with their mothers, more Zayden's um, mother than um, Zinley's, but um, we've had like really, she's like, she was 15 making a decision, so that's very young, and she was like, I know it was so hard to make the decision. And she was like, she was even honest with me and said that there was times that I, she hated me because she, I was living a life that she wanted. Yeah. And now she's, she's 26 today actually. And, um, yeah. And she was, you know, she always tells me how thankful she is and she knows it's the right decision that she made. And she is so happy with the relationship we have because my relationship with her is just as important as well. Like we're very close and, um, my relationship with Zinley's first mother is amazing too. I love her dearly. That's awesome. Yes. So it's been, it's been really beautiful. So having. tell me what adop- open adoption looks like okay. because we've got a lot of questions about that. Yes. Are you ever concerned that the birth parents, first parents, will request custody back again? No, and they legally can't. So. 
Um, I've had that. I've had that question a lot, and I actually love the way you phrased it because most people will phrase it: "Are you ever worried they're going to take them back? They're going to come for him?" And I'm like, "Well, first of all, they're not criminals. Right? They're not a lifetime moving and still these right. babies back. They." They made this decision because they knew it was best for them. It's it's out of a selfless love, right. and they don't they don't want that. That they care so much about their children. They're not trying to uproot them from their parents. They know we're their parents. Open adoption is not a co-parenting situation at all. Right. Um. They're more kind of like ants, you know. Yeah. And um, but with a more love, a more you sure. know, they, there's a deep biological love there but um our open adoption is very different from most open adoptions there's closed semi-open and open and semi-open is where they just communicate like via letter or email and occasionally send pictures most open adoptions they'll have a visit like once a year and they'll have phone calls and facebook Uh and social media and stuff like that ours we wanted like family sure so we wanted our children to be able to see their mothers anytime they want but also their mothers to see their children because I've always thought like no no mother dreams of being a birth mother they just don't right and they shouldn't have to wonder where their children are how are they doing how are they growing up they shouldn't have to just see through a picture via yeah, email that's tough. Um, because I always look at it as like they entrusted me a complete stranger to raise their child I can definitely trust them to see their child yeah. it's all about trust and all about relationship so our open adoption is very open like I said we have multiple visits in fact Zayden played flag football on Sunday and his birth mother and grandmother were there so they live in Dallas they don't live too far We've spent Thanksgiving with them, birthdays. Um, Zinley's birth mom comes for her birthday every year. We have a private dinner if we're not having a party. We've kind of quit parties, so it's been more like sure. dinners. And um, I have um, I did photos um, for Zinley's twin sisters that she has Aww. now. So we get to see them. It's just important. Yeah. It's like extended family. It truly is. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah, I know that it's made you a much bigger advocate for open adoption. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to talk to anyone else about it or, or try to persuade other people who are kind of closed off about it? Oh, absolutely. Good. I feel like I at least need to um, educate on it because I, my personal feelings, and some can roll their eyes and disagree with me and stuff, but I don't think you should be adopting if you want a closed adoption. I don't think that's fair to the mother, I don't think it's fair to the child, and even even to the adoptive mother, you're missing out mm-hmm. on something that God ordained and God, it's beautiful. Right. And um, I know that so many, I've had so many like, oh, I don't think I could ever do that, mm-hmm. or that's just too much. And I just want, I always want to ask like, why? Right. Because you're scared? Because it has nothing to do with the mother and the child and everything to do with you. And it's like, if you can't trust that this beautiful mother has entrusted you to raise her child, I don't understand why you wouldn't trust having a relationship with them. Right. If they, I mean, that is a huge, 
heavy-weighted gift to give somebody Mm -hmm. and them to not know what's going to happen. I mean, you, the adoptive parents have complete control. Right. And the birth moms have none. I feel like their position is way more fragile and scary than an adoptive mother is. But so many adoptive mothers live in fear. I, I actually kind of don't get it. Right. So it baffles me because I've never even that. thought that way right. or felt that way. And so when I get questions, like, I'm kind of taken aback because I'm like, what's there to be scared of? <laughs> like, right. You literally are going to raise her child. I don't know. It's, it's a very... Um, that's why maybe it's just Lifetime movies or something that have created this that's probably true honestly we've created the mess here yeah i feel like i'm like it's nothing like that it's literally like extended family i have to ask because i know there's many people that have the questions and i do too but Mm -hmm. what challenges have you run into having different race a different race in your home or different kids of a different race sorry this is confusing no you're fine um Have the kids run into any challenges at school? Have you run into any challenges as far as doing what's best for them or what fits best for them? Honestly, the biggest challenge, and I hope I don't get emotional on this, is seeing the racism Mm -hmm. that I've never seen. Yeah, from this perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because I have a rare bird's eye view into it now. Right. My children get followed in stores. We've been in furniture stores and... They watch us like a hawk, especially sometimes people don't even realize that we're the parents. Yeah. And so um, that has like been the most challenging with it. But um, we were at the park several months ago and I'm sitting on the bench watching my kids play and these two mothers come up and they're white and they're sitting down and just talking and then she looks and she goes, of course, the two black children on the playground are the only ones without a parent. And I... You were sitting there? I'm sitting there. And I turned my head so fast, and I was like, excuse me? And she was like, I'm sorry, what? I said, I heard what you said. I said, those are my children. I said, why would you say that? She's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean I said, but you did mean yeah. it. I was like, you're sorry because I called you out on yeah. it. I was like, that isn't okay. And I was like, so anyone that says bias, prejudice, racism, things like that don't exist, it's just not true. Right. Because you haven't experienced, it's not your lived experience, doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So honestly, it's a very painful part of being a transracial family because I see just bias against them because mm-hmm. of the color of their skin. Yeah. And honestly, it's... It, it literally pains me, like physically. My stomach gets hurt. My stomach starts hurting. My heart starts racing. Um, Zayden came home one day when he was four and asked me what an N word was. Oh, and I was four. Like, four. And I was like, "Where did you hear that?" And he said, "Oh, I was told I'm just a boy, and I was an N boy." And I was like, "What? Where? Yeah. Like at school?" And I called his grandmother. Because I was like, I don't know how to do this, and I'm going to puke. Yeah. Because I don't know how to explain this. So we've done, like, a lot of black history in our family. We read age-appropriate books about it. But also just having his grandmother and his um, mother in his life, 
we're able to navigate those from their lived experience that I don't have. Sure. And so um, I can't think of any other things that we've experienced that um, have been negative at all. In fact, the black community has really rallied around us, and they're like champions for us, and they're like, if you need hair help, if you need help on skin, any products, you need me to braid, anything... I mean, That's they've incredible. been, like, right there for us. They, In fact, they'll touch Zinli's hair and be like, okay, all right, I can see that's <laughs> moisturizing, like, really prop me up. But now if you're white, don't touch your hair. <laughs> don't touch my daughter's hair. Without permission, she's not a dog. <laughs> she even has a shirt that says, don't touch my hair, bruh. That is hilarious. <laughs> because that's, that is one thing that has been really hard to deal with is, white people now think because I'm a white mom with my black child they have free reign to touch her hair. I've never thought to do that. To and it is <laughs> it's like life. oh you would not believe the amount of black women and maybe boys it's less common with boys but especially girls especially in their puffball state you yeah. know mm-hmm. um where they just want to grab and touch the hair and feel like they can and I'm like would you like somebody touching coming up in your personal space and touching your hair. So that is one thing that we've had to deal with. I think they feel more brave since I'm a white mom. And like they feel like they can just reach out. It's it's oh just it's crazy, honestly. It's the disrespect sometimes is so real. But I have had no disrespect from the black community. They have been champions. They have encouraged me and just really been there for us. Um, are there any legal restrictions? We talked a little bit about how the first mom really has no rights, but what are the legal restrictions as far as you being the adoptive parents? So at six months, um, so in Texas, when, when they place the baby with the adoptive parents, it's at 48 hours. With Zayden, it was five days. Because his mother had a C-section and you can't be on any type of drugs or anything to sign. And so um, once that pen leaves the paper, they are legally ours. But you have to do five months of post-placement studies to make sure that just like the home study, Uh they're healthy, they're in this still in the safe place, that we're financially responsible. Oh, that was another part of the home study, financially responsible. Mm-hmm. They look at everything. Okay. <laughs> so um, after that, it's six months, and you go to court, and um, that's where the attorneys come in because there's a whole bunch of paperwork, and um, that is when you they're legally adopted, and then their birth certificate is forever changed. Okay. So both Zayden and Zinli's mothers name them different names, and we discussed with them that we would be changing their names, but mm-hmm. we did keep their names in their middle name. Okay. So Zayden was named Elijah when he was born, and his um, grandmother and first mother still call him Elijah. Okay. Um, they have always called him that to me, and I'm fine with that. Sure. I know a lot of people are like, what, that's so weird, or that's disrespectful. How was that name? That was their name. That's, like, one thing that can't be, like, taken from yeah. them. Now, Zayden did not want to be called that early on, so they were never disrespectful to him, mm-hmm. calling him Elijah. But I told him, you know, maybe one day he that will he will change his mind and he did about six months ago 
he texted him and said, I think I'm ready for you to call me Elijah. And I think that's really special that's because so it's a special. very special bond between them. So he's Zayd and James Elijah Skyby. Okay. And then Zinli, her name that they gave her is beautiful. It's actually their for the mothers and the fathers' first names put together. Okay. And so it's Demariana. Oh wow. And so her name is Zinli Kate Demariana Skyby on the birth certificate. So, but I think each first mother gets to keep. The original birth certificate if they want it um, but legally that name no longer exists and um, they are now legally are so we are the legal parent garden just as if I was to give birth to them sure so our open adoption is not legally binding and it's like basically like a handshake so we just have to keep our word yeah with it and we have chosen to and I know our daughters, I mean, our son and daughters, um, mothers are so thankful because they have people in the um, birth mom community that that was promised to them. And once those adoption paperwork was signed, they were never to be heard from again. Oh. And I just cannot even imagine. Yeah. So they're like, they're like, thank you for keeping your promise. And I'm like, that is not a hard promise for me to keep. Like, right. I could not fathom Taking them no. away. I mean, the only reason would be if they were a danger. You right, know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, if they got involved in something that they shouldn't and it was dangerous. But even then, I don't know. I even just, then, though, you're the guardian that's yeah, present. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't see how a visit, like, could hurt. I mean, we even get questions like, you allow them in your home? I'm like, they're yes, home. they have our access. Dress. They're yeah. not criminals. They can come knock on our door. Yes, <laughs> they're family. Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand the fear associated. I mean, I'm with sure them. there are situations where they are criminals. Oh, absolutely, and that's in the foster care world. Sure, hundred percent. Even then, though, I'm a fan of reunification. Yeah. Of open adoptions, if they get their stuff together, even at, even if it was years later after their children have been adopted, if it's safe. Why? I mean. Right. It's healing for everyone because sure. adoption is trauma no matter what. Even my, our open adoption is trauma. Yeah. Anytime a child is not with their biological mother, it's trauma. I'm sure that triggers some form of abandonment. Even of course. Even when you're in a home that you're fully loved of and course. fully cared for. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And I'm sure when they're older, they'll have those conversations and I'm thrilled that they can have those conversations with their mothers because yeah. who better to have the conversation with than them? They can literally go line by line what happened and why that decision was made and exactly. why it was the best decision. Yeah. And Zayden's asked, like, why, why was that decision made? And she's been able to say, honey, I was really young and I was, you know, a freshman in high school. And he's like, oh, Oh, okay. It's yeah. like, okay. Like, that's in talking distance for Zayden at this exactly. point. Exactly. You know? Five I years. I myself as a freshman in high school. Exactly. And not ready to make that decision. Not not at all. So, yeah. he, he's fine with that answer for now. And if it needs to get more in-depth, we, we can have those conversations. Or they so can So, tell have. me the moment. I, I want to know for sure what moment it was for you. Because you've laid out the different times where it's like, Official, but then there's still this. But then it's official, but then there's still this. So, mm-hmm. like, we've got the pen leaves the paper in the hospital. Right. Then you've got the um, finishing the study at home, and then the birth certificate is yes. sent in the mail. Right. When did you have, like, a total 
where I could breathe. Meltdown moment <laughs> where it's like, oh my gosh, this baby is actually ours. Probably at the courthouse. Um, because when I said like it's legally binding once their pen leaves the paper, technically the adoption agency is legal guardians okay. of that child. Until the studies are over. Yes. So um, even though I knew it was... Everything would be Everything fine. would be fine. There was no worries because they can't come and change their mind. That's just not sure. Texas law. But I think it was just having the visits and being a new mom and trying to bond with a baby that's not been in my belly. Mm-hmm. You just know, he, he, the baby's hearing different voices and, you know, and so, and then having the people come for home studies every month and check in on you and just, it was just a lot. So... The finalization is probably the time where it's just like, and that's six months. Okay. I realize you don't have a birth to compare to, but were there extra struggles involved in infancy as far as what you just said, a different Mm -hmm. voice or different connections that weren't, you know, built previously? I think so. Yeah. I honestly did not bond with Zayden um, for the first two weeks because... Um, this is where I get emotional too, because as I was telling you earlier, I don't remember if it was on podcast or before we were recording, but I'm extremely empathetic and I can feel people's pain and all I could feel was Tiana's pain. I know that she was, and I know she was suffering because they were very honest and she was just, it was just the worst time in her life which in turn I, I literally was like do I need to give him back I don't want her to be in this right. pain it's not it's not worth it's it not this fair. is her son and but they were like no you like you need to be the parent and my mom actually had to call me and she was like Tabitha you need to stand in your power as his mother she gave you a job to do now do it wow. and I was like okay you're right, because I was so worried about Tiana, but I wasn't even doing the job she was asking me to do. Yeah. I literally was just so worried about like her. So I was anxious. She, Tiana was anxious. And it's okay that y'all know their names. They're, yeah, they're sure. very public on my page and stuff like that. Um, she was, it was just so anxious. And Gerald had bonded. He was like, no, because he bonded like right. instantly. But I have relationships with people and I'm fully invested in them and I'm fully invested in Tiana and her relationship and her pain was killing me. Yeah. And then when my mom told me that we did have to draw some boundaries because I needed to be a mom. She needed to heal. Mm -hmm. So we were like, okay, maybe we should cut contact for just a little bit. Not, not fully contact, but please don't like, don't tell me every time you're Missing him uh-huh. and stuff because this is like... And I won't send you a picture every And I'm not going to... Yeah, because the pictures were causing her... It was very hard to navigate yeah. at the beginning. And, um, but then about a couple hours later, after my mom told me that, and I'm praying to God um, to please let, let, let me let go of this physical and emotional pain that mm-hmm. I'm dealing with, I looked at Zayden and he smiled at me and I just like boo-hooed praising God and I instantly like fell in love with him it was incredible but it took he was probably three weeks old because it took a full two weeks of me being at home plus I'm a new mom yeah and people don't talk about the post-adoption blues it's very similar to postpartum Mm -hmm. because your hormones are still all over the place even though you didn't give birth there's emotional emotional aspects to it that you 
you think you're going to get this baby and you're just going to instantly bond. And, uh, and some do, and, yeah. but some don't. And right. that's okay to talk about too because I didn't. And then I felt guilty because I didn't. I was oh. like, oh my gosh, I went through all this. And oh, I, I felt like I, I was babysitting. Yeah. yeah. Because I could not let go of her pain. Uh-huh. I literally just couldn't. That's so special. Honestly, because as you said, so many people just cut ties immediately and just forget about the person that had to give up everything to them yeah. in that moment. The person that had housed this thing for nine months yes. and grew it. And at such a young age. And, and the agonizing pain of making a decision so young. Yes. Oh my gosh. It and was not, not knowing the weight of it, really. I don't know that no. I could have even fathomed the weight. I think she's just now getting the weight of it. Yeah. And it's been 10 years. It is an ongoing process yeah. of healing. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they. she's been up front with me like, I've been scared he's going to hate me for the choice. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, never could he yeah. hate you because he's going to see the choice that you made. He's going to see the life that he lives because of the choice that you made. But also, you're in his life, so he gets to love you too. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing. We all get love. Why not have love from two mothers? You know, like exactly. Love is amazing. Yeah. So it can heal anything. Totally. Okay, so I know, as I said, you don't have a biological birth to compare to. But right. a question that has been asked, and I thought this was a great one, is: Do you think there's a difference in biological love versus adoptive love? I personally don't think so. Um, I think I was even telling you how funny it is because even though we look drastically different, I forget they're adopted. Yeah. And so I love them. I feel like just as if they were my own, but I really feel that I learned that from my dad because my dad is not biologically mine. He came into my life when I was six years old and me and my sister's life and, um, when him and my mom got married, we thought they were going to have a baby, and we were, like, so excited about it, and they had discussed that we were going to have a baby, and then, like, a few weeks, months, I don't really remember the timeline, because I'm young, I'm, like, seven, um, our dad sits us down, and he says, hey, we're, I'm actually going to go in and get a vasectomy, well, I don't really know what the heck that was at that age, but he was <laughs> like, that's a man procedure, so, to not have babies. Sure. So, um, so he, he told us, I'm going to have a vasectomy and we're not going to have a baby together. And me and my sister were like, what? No, we want a little baby. And he looked us in the eyes and he said, because I couldn't love you girls anymore. And I don't want a biological baby that's mine to make you feel any less loved at any time. Oh, wow. And I'm telling you, still to this day, that like super chokes me up because I'm like, he literally could have had a biological biological child with my mother and he chose not to because he said we were enough. And I was like, at the time, I didn't know, but looking back at it, that's the day God prepared me to be an adoptive mom. Yeah. Because I knew from his love that biology didn't matter. Like what true love looks like. Yes, true love. Sacrifice. I'm now officially adopted by him. I got adopted at 27 years old. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I did it as a Father's Day gift for him to thank him for being the best father I could ever even, like, ask for. 
But I truly believe looking back that that's when God was like, you need this Mm -hmm. because of the plan that I have for you when you become a mom. Yeah. And then of course the whole time, my whole life, I'm like, I don't ever want to have, I don't want to do the (laughs) birth part. (laughs) So it's like I've been prepared from a really young age. What are some of the ways that you feel like God has kind of winked at you through the process or made you feel like you were right on the path that he had for you? So that very first moment mm-hmm. that I just shared about my dad, also, a lot of people do not know this, but when I moved, I had to move, I grew up in Round Rock my whole life, and I had to move my senior year of high school to Houston, and when I started working in Houston, I did this ele- elementary education co-op program to where I would go half a day to school, and the other half, I would work in an elementary classroom for credit. And um, there was this one school that nobody would go to because it was a lower economic mm-hmm. school. And um, they, um, I had just spoke up. I was like, well, I'll go. And the lady running the program was like, well, you need to know this, but there's no white people there. And I said, oh, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Like, so? She was like, really? And I'm like, seriously like why why would I care about that and she was like you want to go she's like it's majority black with Hispanic and I'm like yes I heard you I know what no white people means (laughs) like I am like translucent pasty skinned white girl I know (laughs) what I know the difference girl (laughs) so I was like yes so they were like, okay, and they sent me there, and she was right. I was the only white person there in the after-school program, including the um, other workers there. And it was uh, majority black, and I fell in love with their community. I got to know their mamas and their daddies. I started a program with them to, hey, if you don't get any marks on your, not grades. I did not care about grades. Uh-huh. I just wanted respect and kindness. Sure. And so I was like, hey, if you don't. If your little sticker or whatever doesn't get moved or you stay on green or whatever, I'm like, I'm going to take you to McDonald's. I got permission slips from all their parents. I asked, can I do this? Because I feel like these children are always being told, like, how terrible they are. Let's, like, focus on, like, the joy, you know. They were kind today. Yeah. And so every week I'm taking a different group of three kids to McDonald's to get a Happy Meal and an ice cream cone and we would feed the ducks. And I got to know their moms. We ended up going on zoo trips. I mean, it was like so beautiful. And so my dad, I wish I could, I wish I had the picture to show you, but he still has the picture of me surrounded by all these beautiful brown children, like hugging on me. And I just never really thought anything. I just thought, I just love this community. Like I love the people here. I never saw anything like that I should be scared of or anything like that. And I saw color Mm -hmm. because we're supposed to. Because that's another thing people are like, I don't see color. I'm like, well, actually you should because God created it and it's beautiful. And when you say I don't see color, it's like saying I don't see you. (laughs) I'm like, you should see the color, acknowledge the color, and marvel at its beauty. And that's, I found so much beauty in it. I learned so much and I feel like God was preparing me at that time to be a mother to black children and I had no clue I'm 18 at this time you know that's awesome and um it was probably that's a that's a definite god wink like I'm going to 
teach you about this community and Isn't see it the awesome way they how, No matter what the community is, and this goes for literally all of us, if we are embraced as a person, we want to embrace back. Right? Oh, of course. So whenever you walked in that school and you embraced those kids, they're, them and their parents yeah. both wanted to embrace you back. And that changed the trajectory of yeah, your life for the better. Because it was just love given. Yeah. I mean, they were so silly at first. They were like, girl, why are you white in here? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm... I'm because it's fun. I want to have fun with you. Right. And they're like, what? I'm like, seriously, let's go play some games. I want to have fun with you. Let me help you with your homework. Let's let's do this. Yeah. And just have the best time. Just I just loved those kids, like, so much. Yeah. And honestly, just, I think joy is, like, so contagious. And when you're showing somebody love and joy, regardless of race or your economic status or anything like that, People are drawn to you because they know you genuinely care about them as a person right. and not their status or what they look like. And it builds like such a great community. We hardly had any discipline problems or anything there. Yeah. Because even some of the workers were like, oh my gosh, I could learn from this. I'm like, yeah, we got to start focusing on their, um, the, the, the good, the success. We got to be encouragers because they don't need to hear they're They have enough going on in their lives. Uh-huh. Most, as most kids do at home, why are we going to focus because little Johnny got out of his chair 15 times today? Right. Let's focus, like, next day he only got out 10. Good job. You only got out 10. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so tomorrow. important to encourage. Yeah. And that was definitely a God wink in that time in my life because I got to really just bond with a community that I didn't know I'd be welcomed in. Sure. And they did with open arms. That's awesome. I love that. Um, okay, I do have one question, and um, you said that all the other parents, adoptive parents, put Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Did you put any verse down on your application at all? Yes, but I don't know what it was. <laughs> but all that matters is it was not Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It was not twenty nine eleven. Um, I can't remember. I'm almost positive it was a verse on joy. Okay. Um, just because choosing joy is literally my life yes, motto, I'm and so. I'm almost positive it was about that. And I think in our letter we talked about how we would include them into our family. Because that's huge. That's literally like what we wanted. And I only know one other family that has a um, domestic infant adoption. That's what ours is called private domestic infant adoption that lives the same way we do. All the rest are like semi open or closed. And a lot of people that I know still wanting to go into adoption are closed they want closed adoptions or they are like they want to do a transracial adoption and I'm like but you want a closed one but you want to have children of a different race how's that gonna work yeah for you does it make advice from that doesn't make any sense because you have to have racial mirrors and it should be the family but also I look for black dentists I look for black barbers I look for black pediatricians anything so that they can have um, yeah. more racial mirrors in their lives. And I have a lot of black friends in my life. And I choose that because I don't need to raise them just in a white world where they don't. Because if I'm not living out yeah. what I preach, I'm going to look like 
a hypocrite. A hypocrite yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then there's going to be more trauma there because it's like, oh, my parents tried no to raise me white. I don't even is. know what my culture is like. I don't know what my identity is. Nobody looks like me. I'm just this black person sticking out in this white world. And that's just like, that's not healthy. So I always, if anyone wants to go into transracial adoption, I highly suggest doing so much research and talking and seeing if it's something you can handle. And if it isn't, that is okay. Yeah. It is okay to say it's actually better mm-hmm. if you can't handle it. To be like, you know what? Actually, I don't think I'm cut out for this. Maybe I should stick within my race. That is not racist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is being... Um, That's choosing what's best for Exactly both for involved. both. For everyone involved. And so... Because I know some people are like, oh, but if I choose a race, I just feel that. No, don't. You choose what you are comfortable with. Because if you cannot offer openness and racial mirrors in your child's life, then you are not the one. That you're just not the one for them. Mm -hmm. Man, that's huge. Okay, sis. um, I do want to talk a little bit about this podcast dream you have. (laughs) Yes. Because (laughs) I we were talking earlier about soundproof rooms. You're like, oh, that whole closet's full of soundproof stuff. And it's for this podcast that we're going to start. We don't know when we're going to start it. We don't know what we're going to talk about. We don't know what it's going to be called. No, we just have a dream. <laughs> so, like, what are we thinking? You know, I don't know. Honestly, what's so funny is one of the first names that came to mind was Random Ass Podcast. Because we didn't know yeah. what the heck we were going to talk yeah. about. We still don't have a name for it. But we've been through so much in our marriage, in our faith journey, in our adoption journey, Mm -hmm. that we feel like we have a lot to say. And also our our family is really funny. Yeah. And we have a lot of silly stuff to say because our kids are hilarious. I'm pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Gerald's funny. And I just feel like we have, like, so much to share with the world. And then, yes, and... Even if only two people listen to it, I don't know. You never know how God is going to use you and speak through you. Can I just be a testament to that? (laughs) Right. I mean, I met you because of your podcast. Yeah. I literally never knew who you were before, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, okay, I know Toby. I know Kaylee. Yeah. I'm loving the content of this podcast. Okay, I need to reach out. I need to tell you how amazing you're doing. Okay, that right there, though, is a game changer. When someone especially someone who does not know me, yeah, is bold enough to reach out to say, hey, this is awesome, keep going. Because that is like the biggest God wink to me because you didn't know I was in spiritual warfare when you I had out. no idea. I just knew I needed to talk to you. And then I, and I didn't at first say, my first message was just to encourage you yes. and you were like, thank you so much. And then I was like, absolutely, keep doing what you're doing. And then I just felt like God told me to be like, you need to tell her you'll talk to her about adoption. But I was like, maybe she's not even looking for adoption. I don't know. Uh, that's but that's why I was like, if you're looking, I'm your girl. Because I mean, I had, I this was, at that point, I would have done, uh, this is the 20th episode, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The 20th episode. And so I've literally gone through like, okay, life crises. I've done check, 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 check. And I'm like, I've got no adoption anywhere. My brother was adopted. Like, I'm right. from that family of like, we have experiences that we could talk about, but I wanted somebody external, and I wanted somebody that had a lot of perspective, and whoa, sis, you got the perspective. (laughs) (laughs) And mine seems to be a little different than most. But it's not. It's it's the way, honestly, and I was going to say it's the way it should be. It shouldn't be different. Yeah, I was going to say it shouldn't be different. It's the way that it should be, but also just what you've reiterated over and over again. 
if yours doesn't look this way, that's okay too. It is okay. Every okay. story is different and that's totally fine. But if your story doesn't look my way because of fear, yeah, that's not okay. Right. It's like, no, God has you. Yeah. You can do it. This was ordained by God. Absolutely, him. because I Trust really it. I really just I really just feel that fear hinders so much. And there's really nothing to fear in yeah. adoption because all it does is equal more love for the child that you're raising. And you just can't. And you get to love. And the child yeah. gets love. And the birth mother gets love. And there's just love. I love it. I yeah, love it. so love much. <laughs> okay, sis, I'm so thankful that you did this. Me too. You were the one for seat number 10. Yay! The one. It was very clear to me as soon as you sent that message, like, oh my gosh, God, you delivered. You always deliver. It's you so always cool like come that. through. <laughs> the timing was perfect. It was early enough in the process where I could literally breathe. And I'm telling you, Tabby, I slept like a baby yes. that night. That's because the best. for the first night in forever, it was all laid out. So um, I literally almost wanted to sing Frozen. <laughs> last night, <laughs> last night I was on the Peloton, and I clicked Pentatonics. Do you know Pentatonics? Yes, dude. They sang Let It Go. Really? I haven't heard their version. My kids were in the room. My husband was in the room. I was belting it. They were looking at me like, oh my what gosh. is going on? I knew I wasn't riding fast enough because I was able to like hit the high notes, right? But it was, it's just, those songs never leave you. No. They don't. <laughs> they don't. We also sang Carol of the Bells, and I would not recommend that on the Peloton. <laughs> because if you think about all the parts... And then we ended up I can't even walk Rhapsody. and sing. Are you kidding me? Right? I'm out of breath. I probably have exercise-induced asthma. Oh, at that gosh. <laughs> anyway, okay. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes. I'm so happy with the way that this has turned out. So happy to round out season two with you. Um, and I know God's going to do great things through this episode. I'm already excited about the babies that are going to be adopted just because of your boldness and willingness to share your success story and the way that it looks different and and saying that it's okay that it looks right. different um so anyway thank you so much for coming yes on. thank you for having me passing week we learn the incredible power of a person's story every one unique and supremely designed just waiting to be shared when the time is right but what is even more powerful than the story is the grace surrounding it may we give it courageously may we receive it graciously and may we try to make this place a little bit more like paradise thanks for listening to a slice of paradise <laughs>